Lord, I would say dwell amongst us, but you're dwelling. I would say touch lives and touch hearts, Father, but you're touching. Father, I would say touch those who are broken and need a touch, addicted, dealing with situations in their life and in trauma, but you've already begun to do that. And you haven't completed it either. You're not done, God. We're going to have a teaching moment, God. And you're free to, you're free to move whenever and however you want. Because this isn't my service, God. It's yours. These are your people, God. This is your church. You gave us a word last week, Father. That we're, going on our, we're finishing our seventh year, Father, and going into our eighth year, God. And you said it's time to complete all the junk we've been dealing with so we can have new beginnings, God. That pierced me to the heart as well, Father. But I'm committed to it, God, because I want new beginnings in my life. And in your presence, there's no simpler, easier way to deal with our past, our present, and our future than in your presence. We can struggle all life long and struggle with something, but one moment in your presence, it can all disappear. Hallelujah. Thank you for your presence, God, that is so tangible right now. That everybody in this room feels. We're so thankful for it, Lord. God, we worship you. God, we want more of your presence. Like David, Father, don't let your presence leave me. We want to dwell in your presence, God. But times like this, we want that kabod, that heavy-weighted glory to come down and settle upon us. To do things, God, that we just can't do on our own. That we need you, Lord. Today, Father, is a day of freedom for so many people in this room and on those online. We thank you, Father. We bless your name. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And you're worthy of my song. Thank you, Father. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We worship you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Be seated for a moment. Sometimes you can't just go with four songs and a poem. We've got to always be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And say, God, you move first. We got a plan, but, you, but our plans can be disrupted, thwarted, and smashed. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're dealing with something, last week I, t I gave you that word that was for our church. And I'm telling you, today is a day that, that a lot of that, I had something else planned in my personal mind. And I'll try to do that next week or, or whenever. But, but God said, you know what? That's not what we're going to do. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> what we're going to do then, Lord? <laughs> Because this is what I got planned. This is what I got right here. You know, and then God's like, no, we're going to talk about my presence. Because if you're really going to do what, what you talked about, and you're going to end some things, complete seven years and complete things and have new beginnings, my presence has to be in the midst of that. And my presence has to be first. And, I, and like I said, I'm talking about we always have his presence. And, and, and uh, me and Bruce were talking about this this morning. That, you know, like the kids are in the back right now. We are in their presence, right? But we're not in their presence. If we all walk back there in that room, we would be in their presence. So God is, Jesus is in our heart. He's always in our presence. We walk with the presence of God with us.
But I'm talking about asking God, like, like we're feeling today, that he comes down and just doesn't touch us, a little dabble, do you? That he comes down and dwells in us. That he comes down and he spends time with us and we feel the heavy weightedness of glory. The presence of God is not electricity or, or a state of mind. The presence of God is not a, a goosebump. Oh, he's here. No, no. The, the presence of God is a person. It's when God himself, the almighty El Shaddai, comes down and dwells with us. And when he enters a room, power, glory, repentance, joy unspeakable comes in a room as well. The, the church has stopped seeking the presence of God. We've got so used to coming to church, singing three or four songs, hearing a little message, and going home and walking out that door and having a little, little, little bless your time and then going back. God is tired of being a weekend visitor parent. He is tired of, of only ha having to split time with us and our other parent, the devil. He's like, I get you on Sundays and the devil gets you the rest of the week. I want full custody. All week long. We don't have to think about him, you know, because I can think about him and I can get emotional. Because I love him so much. But I'm talking about just not where I think about him, but where I feel his weighted, tangible glory. You may not can grab his hands, but you can feel the weight on, on him on your body. You can feel the weight on your spirit. Hebrews 10, 16, and 22. This is a new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put laws in, in, in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need to offer any more sacrifices. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Let me stop right there. Did you see what just happened? He just talked about when there's salvation, the next statement after salvation is the presence of God. That you can boldly go into the throne. You don't have to get saved and you have to pay your penance. You have to spend a little time and, you know, just being saved before you can boldly go. The moment you get saved and turn your heart to God, you have access to the throne room. Hallelujah. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain, the holies of the holies, in the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. You don't go into the presence of God with doubt. You go into the presence of God with full trust. See, the devil is a troll. He's a hater. And he wants to lie to you and tell you that what you feel right now is not real. He wants to tell you the word I gave you last week. There's no way you can stop that. You've been dealing with this all your life. And now all of a sudden, because Pastor Doug said God said something, all of a sudden you're going to be able to stop dealing with that and you're going to be able to move on. And you know, you, you know what? The devil's a liar. That was not a word from Pastor Doug. That was a word from God. Now you can him can take that up. I just I'm just a messenger. You and him can fight over that, but that's the word that God gave me for you. And I'm telling you that if you will complete things that you've been dealing with, unforgiveness and, 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 and addictions and sins and, and, and obstacles and things in your life, if you'll, 
the bottom line is if you at least commit in your mind, I'm done, Lord. And you mean that with all your heart, body, soul, and strength. I'm done with this. I'm done with people pleasing. I'm done with, with, with attitude. I'm done with, with unforgiveness. I'm done with If you can totally make that up in your mind, I'm done. Then he can work the rest of it out. All he's wanting is your mind and your, 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 your spirit to say, I'm done. It may take a little bit longer than we, we, we said we we're trying to get it done by, by March 5th for our 7th anniversary, so it's truly over on that day. And we're believing that, but you got between now and then. It can be in his presence. It can be over right now. But the devil's a troll, and he's going to lie to you. And he's going to try every experience you have with God. He's going to say it's a fraud. He's going to say it's worth nothing. It wasn't real. It didn't mean anything. That was just hype. That was just, 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 uh, that was just a, somebody hyping you up. That was not hype. That was holiness. The devil has your whole front windshield, a rearview mirror, and all he wants you to do is look in the past at who you were, what you've done, and how horrible a person you are. And God's trying to get you to look in the future. Look in the future to what you are, to what I can make you become. All things pass away. All things become new. I feel like God is just tired of us coming to church and having a little dabble do you, a little hallelujah, thank you Jesus, and then we leave and we just go run on back to doing our everyday thing. You know, because of COVID and all this kind of stuff, the church is separated. You know, well, you ain't got to go. You know, you ain't got to go to church to feel. You know what? I'm people in the, in that, that right now that's watching online. I guarantee you. If you're connected and you're serious, you're feeling the same thing we're feeling in this room. Not the very same thing, but close to you as you can not be in here. If you're sick or you're afflicted, or if, you, if, you got, if you, you're out of town, you're a shut-in, that's fine. But if you're in town or near town and you can get to church, you need to get to church. Well, Pastor Doug, I could be a Christian without being in, in church. Absolutely, you can. But if, if church wasn't such a big deal, why does Satan try so hard to keep you from coming? If it wasn't a big deal, and oh, it's just, it's just y'all getting together. Scriptures was two or three agree together in my name. I will be in their midst. I can light one little match, and that's fire. But how if every one of us in here had a match? What kind of fire would that create? We iron, iron sharpens iron. And thank y'all for everybody watching, and everybody's going to watch. I'm, I appreciate that. You are our, our community. You are our family as well. But there's a lot of people who just choose not to come to church because they, you know, but the thing is, is because when you're here, you can't, you can't question what you feel right now. But I know when I was at home and I watched online, you know, everything distracted me. When you're in here, there's a lot less distractions. You can access his presence at home, at, in the car, in the shower, you know, anywhere you're at, you can access God's presence. But King Uzziah said, you know, it says, it says, I'll, it says, it says that whenever he, it says he was in the temple. He was in church. He was in the temple where they worshiped. And he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. Whenever you get in the presence of God, you all of a sudden realize three things. Number one, you realize how big God is. It says his train filled the temple. I guarantee you there's nobody in here that don't, you may not feel it in its fullness because you may not be, you know, you may, may kind of be new to this. And you may be, I don't know what it is, but I feel a little something different than I normally feel when I'm in church. It's not, it's, God's not a tornado. He don't bounce here to here to here to here to here to here. His train fills the whole temple. 
The second thing that we feel is that, that you, you, when you, you realize how undone and unholy and how holy God is. He, what did he say? He said, woe is me. I am undone. When you truly encounter a true presence of God, all of a sudden you feel so inadequate to even be there. When you start feeling the, that God Almighty leaves the silhouettes of heaven and, and says, I want to inhabit the praises of my people. You realize how holy he is because an angel in heaven 24-7, it says without a break, they're saying holy, holy, holy. Not holy, and they repeat holy. It didn't say that. They didn't repeat holy all day. They repeated holy, holy, holy. Three holies because one just probably ain't enough to say how holy he is. You know what I'm saying? So, so the thing is, is holy means to be set apart. And whenever we worship and we're hungry for God's presence, he says, I appreciate y'all saying I'm holy. I love that. But my kids are down there. And they're, they're hungry. And they're dying for a touch and a move of God. They've got issues in their life, in their home, in their family, at work. They've got all kinds of things going on. I appreciate all this holiness, and I'll be back, and y'all can continue on. Matter of fact, keep it going while I'm gone. But I've got to step over the silhouettes of heaven, and I've got to do what I promise I would do because I'm a good God, and I keep my promises. I told them that I would inhabit their praises. David saw how important the presence of God was in his life. He literally said, Lord, do not let your presence Leave me. Lord, please don't let your presence leave me. Why did he say that? Because he saw Saul. Saul, King Saul, was anointed for two years. And after that, the presence of God left him. And he, he stayed in office for decades without the presence of God. And David saw what happened when the presence of God was on him and what happened when the presence of God was off of him. So he's like, God, don't, don't leave me. I see what happened to Saul. When the presence of God, when you, when you don't dwell with a person, I see how horrible it is. I see how he makes all these bad decisions, and he does all these bad things, and he's evil, God. He's, he's turned evil because your presence has left him. Lord, don't, please, don't leave me. We like to get into the temple and, and, and go into the outer court, and we love to dance in the inner court. But the church of today has stopped going into the holies of holies where the ark is, the presence of God is. And we want to go in together like the children of Israel did. Because we don't want to be like Moses, where Moses go up to the mountaintop and all the church stays down on the bottom of the mountain, just kind of like twirling their thumb. And, and Moses comes back and says, here's what God says. Here's what God does. Here, let me tell you. And he's coming down. Moses came down with so much of the presence of God on him that his face literally shines so bright he had to wear a veil. And then he said, let me tell you what God says. See, you don't have to have me go to God for you. Now, on Sundays, I prepare, and I do that, and I bless you. But we enter in together into the presence of God. You don't have to have me run and go talk, hear from God and come back to you. You have access yourself the moment you're saved. The manifested presence of God. It has to be a hunger for it. You don't have to be scared of God. Well, I'm scared of what will happen. You don't have to be scared of God and what will happen. God is a gentleman. 
Well, I see how, Pastor, I see you jumping. If the Spirit of God gets on me, I don't want to jump. Then if you're not a jumper to God, it's not going to make you jump. Well, I see you over there. Sometimes you may get on the, you may get on your knees. I don't want you know what? God is going to work with you and your personality. Now, he may want to bring you out of your personality a little bit. Instead of doing this, he might have you do this. Instead of no tears, maybe he just might have you shed a tear. Psalms 42 and 1 says, As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul thirsts after you. We are not thirsty and hungry anymore for God. We come to church like we go to work. It's what we do. But we need to walk through the doors hungry for God. We complain and we fuss and we cry about all the, all the mess that's happening in our life. And then we come to church on a Sunday with the opportunity for God to help us with that. And we leave with the same junk that was in our life when we came in here. We don't give nothing to God. Matthew, Matthew 5 and 6 is Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, right standing with God, for they shall be filled. You're not going to come to church hungry and leave empty. If you come and you're hungry for God, if everybody else around you doesn't get if you're hungry, God's going to get it to you. He wants to bless everybody, but he's going to bless and inhabit those who are hungry and thirsty for his presence. You can be a living commercial and you can walk around at work and everywhere and salt can come out of you. And as you begin to talk to people, people will begin to get hungry and thirsty for more of God. They'll start asking questions. What church? Yesterday, we had several, many people yesterday that came and said, this is a, what kind of church? When did y'all services? We didn't, say, we didn't invite them to church. We just shared love with them. We just cared for them. We just helped them. We just served them. And when we did that, all of a sudden it became a hunger. All of a sudden they came for one thing, and all of a sudden a hunger to be in church showed up. Because all we did was just love. They say Disney World is the happiest place on earth, and it is. But, but God's presence is the holiest place on earth. There's holy places, but when you're in the Shekinah glory, because what happened was the, the, when the priest would go in, it would be filled with clouds. God, God's presence was actually, it, it actually manifested in a cloud. And one time in my life, it doesn't, I never seen it, but one time I was in a conference and I saw up, I, the power of God was so much, I saw a cloud up there, just a mist, a big mist. And in the Colosseum of about 40,000 people, 90% of them, Got on their knees. Nobody said a word. It was um, Lyndall Cooley was playing. And he, we all of a sudden heard this, high, this note is, it was over here somewhere. This high. And he, he stopped just like you just did. And he walked around the piano and stood up in front of it. And you still heard that sound. It was beyond what a synthesizer could play. And all of a sudden, without anybody saying anything, he got on his knees, and 40,000 people fell to their knees. We were in the tangible kabod of the holy God. So I don't know what to say when I get, you know, I, you just speak from your heart. It's just like praying. What's going to happen is when you really get in that, in that presence, you're going to say, woe is me, I'm undone. Lord, forgive me, help me. 
And then he's going to do stuff in you that you just don't even know what's happening. And you're going to come out of that and be a brand new person. And you're going to walk away and people are going to start seeing a difference in you. They're going to start seeing that glow. They're going to start seeing you act different. They're going to start, they're going to start questioning what's different about you. Just like, just like a lot of us had with Jason whenever Jason went to, went to, to Israel. And he came back, and everybody saw that there's a different Jason. What in the world happened to him? He was rough around the edges. But now he's up there sitting in, beside the pastor. You know what? What is that? That's because he went to, to up there, and we experienced God in, in, in Israel in a powerful, powerful way many times. This past time, we were up there over the, gar, um, the Valley of Armageddon where the final fight will take place. I'll tell you what, we have more church right there than I probably have most of my life. We were down there in all kind of sharp gravel, and I, it was just cutting my knees up, and I just got on my knees and my face and just, just began, Holy Spirit, just began to pray through me, and it was just such a holy encounter. And we don't never, it happens different places every year. Sometimes we're in the ascension site where Jesus arose, man, and I thought, my mom said, she said, I really thought I was going to leave, I thought God was going to come back that moment. I thought we were getting ready to leave at the ascension site. But when we begin to cry, God, I love you, I praise you, I exalt you. And you begin to begin to worship God, not from your mind anymore of what you're thinking you want to say, but from your heart of true passion and love for him. That's when the presence can really come. And he'll leave the splendors of heaven and come down and touch us. Because that worship part is the only part, I've said this many times, worship is the only part of the service that's for him. Announcements are for us, the preaching's for us, the altar calls for us. But the worship is the only part that is only his. I don't think we need to wait until pastor gets up here and speaks and then we have an altar call for God to truly move. I think every Sunday we should feel the presence of God and we should enter in. I'm so thankful for Mike and, and his obedience to the Holy Spirit and he flows and goes and, and does what the Holy Spirit says and it may be different and you, 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 may, you may like, well, that was, that was different, but he's just following God and I love that about him. That he's willing to follow God's leading when he's over there in his worship team as well. And I love that they get here so early and you come in here with, with sleep in your eyes. And they're up here with sleep in their eyes. But they're giving their all. To lead you into their presence. But how many times have they been leading you? And you're thinking about this and that and the other. You're not even taking and capturing that moment to enter in. I want to use a couple, a couple of illustrations today that I've used four or five years ago that so many of y'all in this room haven't heard. <clears throat> but on, there was a TLC, there was a show about a severely overweight man. And they interviewed him and he said, you know what? When I go into a room, I look for a chair that can hold me. I never thought about that. He said, I look for a chair that can hold me. And <clears throat> if I don't see a chair that holds me, I'll visit a little while. And I'll leave. And I'm here to tell you today that on Sunday mornings, whenever we're praying, God Almighty is looking for a church that, is, that, it, that can hold him, his presence. And if that church is not ready, capable to hold his spirit and to hold his presence, he'll stay a little while and he'll leave. God wants to dwell. And when we worship him, we send spiritual timbers out into the atmosphere to create a throne room that can hold him in this place. And I mentioned to it a while ago, I said the heavy, the kabod. The kabod is heavy 
weighted glory. I, I have a blanket at home. It's a heavy-weighted blanket, and I love it. Most people freak them out, feel trapped. But I love it. It gets on me. It just wraps all around my bed. It, it just weights on me. There's nobody there, but I feel the pressure of it. And that's what happens with the heavyweighted glory. He, he is there, but you feel the pressure on your body. You feel it in your spirit. You just know he's a, it's like he's loving you and wrapping his arms around you. It's time that we move from visitation to inhabitation. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I read this last week, and seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, heal their land, and forgive their sins. If they'll seek me. But I don't know where to look. Look, he's like a daddy that's playing with a two-year-old. Okay, we're the two-year-olds, by the way. But, but the thing is, is he's not going to hide where you can't find him. He's going to hide out in the open. You ever seen a little kid? They say, oh, there you are, Daddy, or Mommy. You know, and they're so excited, you're like standing in the middle of the room. Okay, I'm going to hide again, you know, and you hide with like one foot out the door or whatever, you know. I see you. And they get so excited that they found him. Where's our excitement when we find God? And why do we say we can't find him when he's standing in the open? He didn't say, if you seek me and you find me, you know, you seek, you know, you know, he said, if you seek, you'll find. Genesis 32 and 24. I got a big, long story here about Jacob, and I'm not going to go through all of it. I want to get to the point. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a trickster. You know, he tricked it. He, they call him a heel catcher because he grabbed his brother Esau's um, foot when he was coming out of the womb trying to get out first. That's, that's what a, a dude this was. It says he came out holding the heel of his brother. And then he tricked his brother into giving him the birthright because he wanted the birthright and Esau had the birthright. His brother came in hungry and starving and said, hey, man, I'm, I want some of them, them lentil beans you got. He's like, give me your birthright and I'll give them to you. But I'm dying. Okay, they give me your birthright. You're going to have them. So he tricked him. But how many people know that the trick, the tricker, trickster gets tricked, right? Um, so, so what happened was he, had, he went out to his cousin's house. Okay, this is where it's like Jerry Springer stuff here. He went to his brother's house, I mean his cousin's house, Rachel, and he fell in love with Rachel, his cousin. He went to Uncle Laban, Laban and said, I want to marry Rachel. He said, okay, you, work for, you can work for me seven years and you can have Rachel. He worked seven years, and then the night of his wedding, Laban sent Leah in there, the older, the older daughter, and sent Leah in there, and Leah walked in there, and then the next morning he woke up and said, wait a second, you're not Rachel. So he we went to Laban and said, what, what the heck, what's going on? He says, okay, work seven more years, and I'll give you both Rachel and Leah here. So then he left with his family, 11 kids, because he, not only did he marry those two, he married their, um, their, their maids. So he had four wives and 11 kids, and they got jealous of each other because they were having babies, and this one wasn't having a baby. It was crazy, a whole crazy story. But he went out, he went out, and, he, and he, he started, God started dealing with him. He says, I got to go back to Esau, and I got to apologize for what I did. And Esau was ticked off. He was mad. He had 400 army soldiers ready and prepared to take him out. But an angel came one night of the Lord and talked to Jacob. And Jacob became hungry for God. And Jacob wrestled with that angel. And it came about daybreak and the, the angel was like, you got to give up. You know, it's getting daybreak. <laughs> and, and Jacob said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. 
And so God Almighty, he had a tag team partner, tag God. God's like, you, you, you got to handle this, God. And God punched him in his connective ligament joint in his socket, in his hip. And he limped for the rest of his life. He had such an encounter with God, it changed the way he walked. We're looking at it physically. Well, he, 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 no, he walked different now. Now, I got, a, I got another, I, I'm so thankful God's speaking to me. I love this, this new year and what's happening. It started off pretty rough, but I love the Spirit of God's been talking to me. I've been, I made this commitment to change like last week, and he's beginning to speak to me. I'm so, so happy about it. Okay, but he left, he went. Now, Esau's over there ready to fight, 400 men ready to take him out. And he sent all this gifts up there because it says because he's the firstborn, he had all, all of the, uh, the blessings, so he, had, he was totally blessed. But he gave him all that stuff, and so he walked across the hilltop, and he saw Esau, and he came to him. And all of a sudden, Esau didn't send them 400 men after him. Why? Because he saw that he walked different. And I'm like, God, but why? But what? What? But he's still ticked off. He don't know what just happened. And God told me yesterday when I was studying this. He says, when you get in my presence and you let me change the way you walk, you have a hostile situation or a bad situation, and once you 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 have to go back to work, back to that person, back to the situation. I'll take care of them. You let me change your walk, and I'll fix what's wrong over here. They could be mad. They could be upset. It could be a horrible situation. You, all this, could, all, all kind of bad stuff can get ready to happen. But you don't worry. You let me change the way you walk, and I'll talk to them, and you'll be safe, and you'll be okay. And God changed his name to Israel. Instead of trickster, heel catcher, deceiver, he says, you know what? There's such a change. I just want to change your name to Israel, which means prince of God, soldier of God. So today in this room, you may be a hypocrite, a gossiper, a liar, a hater, bisexual, a compromiser, a porn addict, a player from the Himalaya. You know, you may, you may be a deceiver, a cheater, a liar. You may be full of unforgiveness and hate and anger and rage. You may be having adultery, you may, all kind, whatever it may be. But in the presence of God today, he will change that and you become a Christian, a servant of God, trustworthy, a God chaser, a man, a woman of God, righteous, victorious, an overcomer in Christ, honest, true, faithful, Bruce. And he will change you in his presence. Because in his presence, Scripture says, there's fullness of joy. And we need to be changed. But we just can't treat it just like entertainment. We go to this movie or we go to this concert and we're like, oh, yeah. But we leave and we were moved, but we weren't changed. You can't do that in the house of God. I'm talking about radically changed. The demonic man was full of demons. And Jesus touched him. And the next scripture says, And then they saw him clothed and in, and in his right mind. And if God could take a demon-possessed man and dress him up and put him in his right mind, he can help you with your mental health. You ain't got demons. You got mental health. And if God could take a de demonic person and change their mind and they could be in their right mind, you could be in your right mind as well. He took the lame man and he made him walk. He took blind Bartimaeus and gave eyes to him. 
You took the woman with the issue of blood that says, you know what? I don't care what nobody else thinks about me. I got to get my worship on. And I'm pushing through all these people. And if anybody sees me, I'm probably going to be, I'm already an outcast. It can't get much worse. But if anybody sees me, they're going to call me out and I'm probably going to get in trouble. But I got to get to the hem of his garment. In 30 seconds, the presence of God changed Saul, which was a persecutor of Christians and a killer of Christians. The heavens opened up, it says. The heavens opened up. A light came down from heaven. And Saul all of a sudden became Paul, which wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So what opens the windows of heaven? Well, Steve, we found out in, in, with Stephen in, in Acts 7 and 56, <clears throat> persecution can open the, the windows of heaven. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at the right hand. <clears throat> Stephen was being persecuted for standing up for Christ. And what happened was, when that happened, he was being stoned to death. He looked up and the open heaven came down and God blessed Stephen. Another thing that opens the windows of heaven is tithing. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough. You just want more money. Now listen, listen to what the scripture says. And if you do, says the Lord, the armies of heaven, I will open up the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't be able, to, that we won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, he said. I want to open up the windows of heaven every way I can. Persistence opens the windows of heaven. For everybody who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Worship opens the windows of heaven. Psalms 22 and 3. Yet you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto you. We have to change from going to God all the time about the hand that supplies to the face that satisfies. And every time we're in his presence, we need to know that I learned the other day from, from Rabbi David. You know, I had a, a meeting with the executive staff the other day, and, and Rabbi David was there. He's, he's a, a messianic you know, rabbi. We have a messianic campus. that, that they, They're Jewish, but they believe in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And um, him and, and Pastor Juanita said that, we were talking about something totally different, but he said, when every time you hear, you hear the presence of God, it was so cool because it's, oh, that's what I needed for today, but they were talking about something different. But he said, the presence of God in the Bible, the Hebrew for that is panim. So every time you see the presence of God in the Bible, it's talking about the panim. And panim means face of God. See, because in the, in the Bible days, they couldn't see the face of God, right? He said, nobody could see the face of God. And so what it's saying is, whenever you are in God's presence, you are seeking his face, not his hand, and what he can do for you. I got two, two other stories that I, I told back in the day I want to share again. One is a, a, a little girl saw her dad on FaceTime, and Daddy, I miss you so much. She, he says, we always have, you know, a little tea party, and I want to have a tea party with you tonight. And see, I got it all set up. She had a little plastic table down there with like four or five sets of tea around it. And he says, okay, honey, I see four or five sets of tea. Where am I going to sit at? Where, which one, where do you want me to sit at? And she said, Daddy, that's why I set so many places up so you can sit where you want it. And see, we don't do God that way. We have one, one place to sit. You move here in worship and an altar call. Maybe. It's time that we as a church say, God, everything is set. 
You move where you want to move. When you want to move, how you want to move. And he got home and he said, okay, baby, what do you want to do? She says, I miss you. She said, let's go out, let's go out to the, and play house, daddy. And he said, okay. So he went outside. It was 95 degree day, pouring sweat. He's, you know the little tiny houses that are about this big for little kids? He's in there bent over double in his 95 degree plastic house and pouring sweat. Here, daddy, have some milk and some cookies or plastic milk and cookies. And he's like, oh, yum, 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 yum. Ain't we having fun, daddy? He was like, yeah, baby, we are. I'm with you. And then she says, after a few minutes, she started sweating too. She's like, daddy, I'm tired of playing house. Let's go to the big house and get some real milk and cookies. So they went inside and did, and we treat God the same way. We bring our fake sacrifice, our fake offering, our fake worship, our fake presence, and put on a fake smile and say, aren't we having church today? He's waiting for us to say, God, I'm tired of the fakeness. I'm ready to go to the big house and have the real stuff. Your milk and your cookies. The big, big. Are you tired of not giving God your best? Are you tired of not changing? Amen. Are you thirsty for a cool river of life? Let's go to the big house and get the real stuff. Quit, quit just having goosebumps and be engulfed in his presence. To where we just cry and weep before God. We're just overtaken by his presence. It's going to happen more this year. And I, I was like, God, I want that to happen more often. But I, but I, can't, I can't do that. He said, you and the worship team create the atmosphere, and I'll make sure it happens to those that are hungry. There's a buffet of healing, deliverance, salvation, freedom, sanctification, wisdom, peace, love, happiness, and joy that is here today for you. And some of you are going to walk out that door miserable because you choose not to be engulfed with the presence of God. Is anybody starting to get hungry? Anybody starting to get thirsty? See, in the Bible days, they had this veil, and the priest once a year would take the sacrifices and do the sacrifices and go into the holies of holies in the inner court place, and they would tie a rope around his neck, around his neck, around his ankle with, with um, a bell on his, on his tassel of his robe, and he would go in, and he would just worship before the Lord. As long as he was moving, then they would, they would hear that bell ringing. But when that bell rung, stopped ringing, they pulled him out dead because there was sin in his life. You had to go into the holies of holies, sinless. But now God says, it ain't one time a year. It's every minute of every hour of every day you want to come in. You come. You come into my presence. And even if there's sin in your life, you come into my presence, and I'll, I'll take all that away from you. You come with a repentant heart. I don't care. You just come. You just come be with me, and I'll take care of all that stuff. You quit trying to work it out yourself. You're not good enough. You're not great enough to handle it yourself. Let me handle it for you. God is not obligated to give to an, a, an occasional nibbler that wants snacks. He's not a snack God. He wants to give all of himself. Because if you don't have all of him, you ain't got none of him. Because if you don't have all of him, then he ain't number one. 
He's not obligated to that. But so many churches feel like people and Christians, we feel obligated. Well, I'm here. I need a little, little touch. Full of arrogance. The veil was rent in two from the top to the bottom whenever he died. Why from the top to the bottom? We would tear it from the bottom to the top. So you'll know who tore it. God tore it from the top to the bottom. Scripture says it was from the top to the bottom. I'm tired of the visitation. I'm ready for inhabitation. Let me just go through all this. It's time for God to move. Exodus 25 and 22. He says, there I will meet you and commune with you. Talking about in the holies of holies in that, that special place. When you go in things that don't look like him, when you truly go into the presence of God and things in you, on you, don't look like him, they die off. Hebrews 10, 19 and 22. Therefore, brother, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open to us through the curtain, that is the, his body, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. The curtain, that is his body. You see that? They had a curtain to go through. He gave his body so we can go in through that way. Man, that's just so much more I ain't got time to talk about. See, I think sometimes we run our mouth too much and God's like, well, I was going to move, but you missed my moment. So I'm here to tell you today, today's your moment. This is Kingdom Impact's year. I, I can't, like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to put us above anybody. All, I, all I'm responsible for is you. So all I can talk to you about is us. Okay? Bless every church in Wilmington. Let them flood the gates open and do every, bless everybody a hundred times over. That's not my point. But I'm responsible for you. So it's, this is your year. This is your moment. This is the time for you to complete the seven years and begin new beginnings. Today is a day that that begins. It began last week. Today is another, another place for you to move. Go ahead and sing if you're worthy of it all. And I want us just to pray a moment. Is there anybody here today that would say, Pastor?